Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast I am Dylan Hafer and it is Friday We have had a little shuffled schedule this week In the wake of BravoCon Coming back with so much going on And I am actually glad that I waited to record this episode until Friday because we have had more news, more shows, more things to talk about. I feel like every episode this week, I have said that there's a lot to talk about. But today, it's really, really true. I promise I'm not bullshitting you guys. We have Beverly Hills. We have Miami. We have Southern Charm. I am freshly caught up on Southern Charm. And oh boy, we've got to get into the absolute rancid vibes that are happening at Shep's Mountain House. Before we get into that, I want to just tease a little bit. I sat down yesterday with Ashley Darby. It's going to be on Monday's episode. And we got into it all from BravoCon recap stuff. We talked about her situation with Captain Jason. We talked about the flirtatious moment that she shared with Owen Wilson that she teased on Watch What Happens Live. And of course, we got into the new season of Real Housewives of Potomac. I am so excited to talk about Potomac this season. I know it kind of got short end of the stick this week, premiering during BravoCon, which was just a wild <laughs> a wild choice overall. Uh, but this season is great. The premiere was really good. I had a great time talking about it with Ashley, and I am so excited to talk about it in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for lots more Potomac, uh, maybe a little Married to Medicine if we're lucky. And of course, there's just so much happening on Bravo right now. So before I even get into all the shows to recap, we got to talk about what is happening with Monica and Heather in Salt Lake City, because we have taken a turn for the worst. And there are lawsuits flying. So these women have filed, you know, matching lawsuits against each other. So Beauty Lab, in their documents, say that Monica signed a contract with them on December 10th, 2019, to pay $2,449 for cosmetic injection services. According to the documents, and this was all reported in the U.S. Sun, which I, I really shudder to be quoting them, but, you know, if they have the documents, I believe it. So Monica admits in her lawsuit that she paid a $400 deposit and a $49 setup fee, or a down payment, sorry, not a deposit. I didn't know we did down payments on fillers. Is that a thing? I kind of assumed, and I saw a couple replies and comments to this effect, that normally when you go to a med spa or something like that, you're sort of just paying in full. I didn't know that we did down payments and, you know, monthly, monthly, (laughs) I didn't know we could do like Klarna for our, for our fillers, but um, whatever, Beauty Lab is flexible. So Monica was supposed to make $200 monthly payments for the next 10 months, but she never did. So Monica is not disputing this. Instead, in her lawsuit, 
she is saying that she didn't pay these fees because the filler was, quote, negligently given and, quote, did not have the intended promised result. And she admits that Beauty Lab offered to, quote, fix the damage. But Monica says that she, quote, paid for another competent party to do so instead. So she is asking for attorney's fees, some interest and other remedies, uh, seeking a to-be-decided amount for consequential damages less than $50,000. I think Heather just wants her money. She's like, bitch, pay for the fillers. They were they were in your body, whether you like them or not. <laughs> so this is really, really interesting because Beauty Lab, a.k.a. Heather, they threw the first punch here. And then Monica's suit was in response. But looking back at the dates... This is over something that happened in 2019 and 2020. We're talking not just before Monica was on the show, but before the show had even begun. December 2019 was when they were filming season one. So it seems quite interesting that this right now is the time that all of this stuff is coming to the forefront. Because as I've mentioned earlier this week, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City cast wants nothing to do with Monica right now. It was very apparent at BravoCon. It's obvious on social media that things are not good between them. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be played out at all in the rest of the season. It seems like Heather would, would have been aware of this when they were filming. You know, certainly... Monica was already behind on her payments. I don't know if Heather is personally involved in, you know, the bookkeeping of Beauty Lab and Laser. But Heather did post on Instagram yesterday after Monica, you know, accused them of being negligent. She said, Beauty Lab and Laser is a phenomenal business in the top 1% of providers. Uh, injectors are nationally ranked and leaders within the industry. A legion of loyal customers speaks for itself. The lawsuit in the press has no merit and is unfortunately a pattern of behavior from a desperate woman who, when unable to pay her bills, lashes out to avoid accountability. Whew. <laughs> this is tough. It's not great. We have Emily Simpson in the comments. Boss babe. Lisa Barlow dropping some hearts. Brooks Marks. BLL is my home away from home. I noticed Brooks yesterday posted that he was at Beauty Lab getting his teeth whitened. I'm like, this is uh, <laughs> this is pointed. Whitney Rose said, love the lab. And Heather responded, hashtag the lab loves you. Matt Rogers says he wants to get his first Botox at Beauty Lab and Laser. This is kind of wild. Because it feels like something that is so clearly mirroring something that has happened on the show, but at the same time, it's separate. It's different. The timeline is totally different. It feels like we're kind of taking things to a different level. I mean, cast members on a show suing each other is something that we have seen before on Bravo, and it's kind of a dangerous game because when you have lawsuits, you know, charges, restraining orders, things like that happening between members of the same cast it can become a really untenable situation pretty quickly to have them both still on the same cast. I think what we're seeing here is almost as we get closer to the end of this season, it feels like Heather kind of almost marking her territory and, you know, sort of putting it out there like, this is my thing. 
I'm going to sue you. And, you know, if you want to sue me back, go ahead. If we can't be in the same room together, babe, who do you think they're going to keep on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Because it ain't going to be you. And as much as I think it's a bad idea for people to normally sort of ultimatum bravo, and this isn't exactly what's happening here, I think that Heather is likely to win this round. You know, I, I'm curious to see what happens with this. I really have, I have no idea what it's going to be, but I, I am, you know, interested to watch it unfold and they are taping their reunion, I think pretty soon. So it's going to be very interesting. Calling all my honeys support for today's episode comes from honey love. Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, honey love is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. For a limited time, you can get Honeylove on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence. Thanks to Honeylove. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. In, in other um, tragic Instagram news. So there was this tweet going around earlier this week that was a picture of Andy Cohen and Diana Jenkins, our, our famed, infamous one-season housewife from last year on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And it says, hashtag BravoCon. Andy Cohen admits he'd like to see Sonella Diana Jenkins back on RHOBH. Quote, she was at the level I want the show to be at. Um, so I saw this, uh, didn't think much of it. I wasn't sure if it was real or not. But you know who did think it was real? Ms. Diana Jenkins. She posted this screenshot. And she said, at Bravo Andy, much appreciated. To all of those who didn't understand why I joined the show and what my storyline was, here it is. Much love to you all. And she did, she included a, a notes app carousel of, you know, information on her backstory, which is fairly remarkable that i'm not disputing but the comments on this post crystal come back 
Lisa Rinna, they fucking blew it with you. Dorit, agree with Andy. Perez Hilton, ugh, I'd love to see this happen too. Kyle Richards commented some hearts. Elton John's husband, David Furnish, they're not worthy. Larsa Pippen commenting hearts. If Larsa Pippen is engaging with the post, you know that it's caught the algorithm. You know, it's <laughs> it has some reach. And then last night, I see this tweet from at Sonia Rita. The display name is Sonia's Townhouse. <laughs> and the tweet is just all caps. No, please. I made that up. Dorit's like and Kyle's comment. Crying face, crying face, crying face, crying face, crying face. You guys. Diana Jenkins got duped by a Sonia Rita parody account on Twitter. Need I say more? I mean, come on. First of all, I don't think anybody was asking Andy at BravoCon about Diana Jenkins. Trust and believe if you have two or three questions with Andy on the red carpet, you've got better things to ask about. But, but also just the way that the way that people raced to the comments to be like, yes, girly, come back. It's not happening. It's never happening. Baby, there's no plane. That ship has sailed. Uh, but speaking of people who are still on Beverly Hills, this was a really, really interesting episode of Beverly Hills this week. Because, I mean, interesting because of the, you know, the stuff that actually happened, but also just the the sort of format of this episode was so tight And it felt like I saw Gibson Johns describe it on Twitter as almost a bottle episode about this magic mic night in Vegas. And it, it really did feel like a rare case on housewives of really focusing on one thing for an entire episode. And it worked. It worked really well. It actually earlier this season on Salt Lake, when they had that first dinner you know, where Meredith was kind of possessed and Chad waiter, not security was there. That was kind of a similar thing where it was really like almost a whole episode was centering around this afternoon into dinner, into debauchery. And this episode is similar. I mean, they're arriving in Vegas. They're getting ready for magic Mike. They're going to magic Mike Sutton's storming out of magic Mike. They're going to dinner after magic Mike. And then we have a little bit the next day when they're talking about Garcelle's kids and, you know, how they trust each other and all of that. And I thought it was super interesting. I don't know if it was one of the best episodes ever. I think your mileage will vary with that based on how much you enjoy Sutton's chaos, how much you, you know, just sort of click with this group. But I thought it was, I thought it was kind of fascinating Dorit doing her own hair and makeup on a trip to Vegas. I've seen multiple people, you know, theorize that this is a sign that the money might be gone. Either way, Dorit looks great. And her looking so kind of normal at dinner with all these women. First of all, she looks a lot like she did when she first joined the show. I mean, if you go back to that, like season seven, eight, her glam was not always so over the top. And I think that is that softer look on her is really nice, but it just is so, so different. So not what we're used to seeing. And I will say at BravoCon, I noticed that her looks seemed to be more understated, more toned down. And I think actually probably 
chicer than what she has worn in the past because it didn't feel like she was trying so hard. You know, she had some looks at BravoCon that were like a very, you know, modest suit kind of look or like a a long flowy dress type of thing. Uh, She was wearing, you know, straight hair with a headband a lot. It was, it felt like she was going for a more sort of sophisticated simplicity. But at the same time, that could also mean going for a simpler, aka not Chanel'd the fuck out $50,000 couture look. I don't know. I don't know about Dorit and PK's finances. It stresses me out just to think about if I'm honest, but I, you know, seeing Dorit like that, it was, it was different for sure. Okay. So this magic Mike situation. So Erica tells the women that if they want to get pulled on stage, they need to wear pants. So I believe the only people that wear pants are Erica, Crystal, and Sutton. And look, so it's Crystal's birthday trip and it's Erica's connection that gets them in the door. Mikey's partner, Davis or whatever, is in the Magic Mike show. God, what are these people's lives? Imagine... I don't mean to be rude, but imagine your life is that you are Erica Jane's creative director of six years or something, and your partner is a a dancer in the Magic Mike live show in Las Vegas. What a life. (laughs) What a life. (laughs) I just can't, I I just can't even wrap my mind around. It's, it's wild. But so only three people wore pants. And only two people got pulled on stage. And if I were Sutton, I would be a little annoyed that I didn't get pulled on stage. I mean, I don't think it's worth throwing a tantrum about, I wore pants for nothing. You know, it's not that deep. Also, would Sutton really have had that much fun if she got pulled on stage and was being flung around and like fake eaten out the way that Erica and Crystal were? I don't know that she would have really enjoyed that. I, I think it's just as likely that she would have been down on that stage and been like, no, no, uh-uh, I can't do this. I am on the American Ballet Foundation board. I just can't be, I can't be doing this. I, 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 no, don't follow me. Don't. I think with Sutton, she she lives in this sort of like interstitial space where I think she is fun and wants to be fun and wants to be carefree and wants to be sexual and all of this stuff. And that is definitely a side of her. But then there's this other side of her that is constantly stressed about if she's, you know, being too sexy or too loud or too brash or too inappropriate. And I think she has trouble on this show sort of calibrating the balance and just sort of feeling like she can relax and just chill out with these women. And that's the thing. You see people like Erica and, you know, Garcelle and Dorit, who I think at this point with the group, it's not that they're never putting on airs or anything, but 
I think they are at least comfortable. They they exist in a sort of default mode of being around this group where they can say what they want to say and, you know, act how they want to act. And I think Sutton really struggles with kind of putting down the walls. And so, you know, we'll see her participate in, you know, she'll, she'll contribute to the sex conversation. She'll take out her dollar bills, but she has a, she has a hard time sort of following through on wanting to be just like the good time girl. And that's tough. What I thought was really interesting this episode also was Garcelle bringing up the stuff that happened last season with her kids. They're in Vegas, which is where Garcelle's son Oliver lives. I I did see him. I saw him working at Vanderpump Paris on like Saturday night of BravoCon. And I was like, if I were him, I would would have taken a vacation that week. There's no way you would have found me working in that restaurant the weekend of BravoCon. Whatever. Maybe they paid him extra. I hope they did. But anyway, so Garcelle is not that much in the mood to talk about her son because she still is a little bit bruised from last season when, you know, Kyle made her, you know, people were making light of, you know, being rude to her son, Jax. And she doesn't really want to open up about that side of her. And I understand that. But when she brings it up the next morning, people like Kyle and Dorit are really having a tough time with that because they see it. She's saying, you know, I don't know how comfortable I am or how much I trust to really be open about my family and what's going on in my life because I don't know if I can trust that it's not going to be made fun of or laughed about when I'm not there. And it's so typical of Kyle and Dorit to kind of take this personally that it's like, what are you talking about? I would never say anything about your kids. And but it's like we we've seen the footage 65 times of PK laughing about it and you not saying anything. And I thought it was really interesting. It seemed like Garcelle in this moment on the show was sort of alone in that. But Crystal did say this week in an interview with Deadline that she spoke up and defended Garcelle and they actually cut it out in the edit that she was basically saying, if somebody talked about my kids that way, I would feel the exact same way. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be sharing those things with you and I would feel protective and that, you know, even if she didn't say it and it was the husband and it was laughing. And I think that's, I think it's too bad that that didn't make the edit. Obviously there's things that get cut every single episode on Bravo. It's not like that's, you know, salacious that something didn't make it in. But specifically in this case, I think that would have been, it would have made the conversation more interesting. And it also would have made Crystal a little more interesting. Because so far on this season, I think it feels like Crystal is sort of drifting to the back. And, you know, it was it was fun to see her up on the stage at Magic Mike. I really like Crystal's energy. I think she's a good vibe to the group. But she hasn't really had a big moment. And I think actually speaking up in that situation where everybody else seemed kind of muted on behalf of Garcelle would have been a good moment for her. And so I'm, I'm, I think it's too bad that we didn't really get to see that. And I'm hoping that maybe there's, you know, some acknowledgement of that or just kind of that Crystal gets a little bit more attention in the next few weeks. But I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. It's, it's tough. And there's, it's, 
it's just hard to get a lot of screen time. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Watching Miami this season, it's the th- so it's the third season in a row that we have the same group of nine women, which is six housewives and three friends that, for all intents and purposes, feel like housewives, but maybe just have a little bit less storyline or solo time. But <laughs> this episode of Miami, it feels like we are jumping back and forth between so many different groupings of people. It's like Adriana and... Uh, Julia are going over to Jody's house where Adriana used to live and Lisa's there. And then Larsa and Alexia and Kiki are working out together. And then Marisol is having her gay brunch that uh, Alexia and Kiki and Larsa and Lisa are at. And then Nicole is having her oyster and champagne happy hour that Gertie and Julia and Adriana are at. It's like, I, I get we're, <laughs> I get we're having to cover a lot of ground here in terms of, who's being updated by who and what who was where but it's like it is a little hard to keep track of cuz it's like when when Marisol was mentioning her gay brunch I was like oh great this will be like a group scene next week but then it's at the same time as Nicole's oyster happy hour which first of all sorry <laughs> are happy hour and brunch happening at the same time or is that just the editing that threw me for a loop I will t- shout out to Adriana Emilio Estefan coming over to the table just to talk to Adriana and like play a clip of her new song that allegedly was supposed to go to Camila Cabello at brunch at happy hour. Sorry, brunch, happy hour. Same thing. That was a flex. And as much as Adriana, I think can be a little bit of a bullshitter. That was cool. That was cool. So there's this sort of competing narrative about what's happening with Todd and Alexia because Todd, as we know, decided not to go to Alexia's new Horizons party in the premiere. And Lisa ran into Todd after the party and she was like, oh, he seems low. But every bit Alexia's like, no, everything's okay. Um, we just, you know, we fight hard, but we love even harder and we're getting through. And I don't know, something about the vibe there. It's almost giving like Shannon and John Jansen this past season. When Shannon's like, we have these horrible, horrible fights, but also I'm fine. It's not quite to that degree, but there are some some red flags that I think Alexia is not willing to quite open up about. And then Adriana has her story that she ran into Todd and she was like, ah, it seems like you got to work on your marriage. And he's like, hit the nail right on the head, which, okay, look, <laughs> as I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, Adriana has a little bit of a 
uh, bullshit problem. And do I believe that Todd really said it exactly like that to her? Uh, probably not. But also, you know, Lisa noticed something was off too. Obviously, Alexia was really hurt by his decision not to go to that party. And we see them, you know, the two of them are together later in the episode. And in the confessional, she finally kind of acknowledges it a little bit that it stings because the producer is like, well, have you ever skipped an important event of his? And she's like, oh, no, I would never. Like, I literally know that would, wouldn't even be on the table for Alexia. So I, I think it's not that I think they're, you know, headed for disaster or that, you know, they're lying to everyone. But I, I do think that there is just a little bit more unease there than maybe they're letting on. And I'm curious to see kind of how that develops over the course of the season. But the big, I mean, the big emotional center of this episode is obviously Gertie telling some of the women that she has cancer. And I mean, it is so amazing to see this episode the same week that she, on Instagram, she rang the radiation bell. She finished her treatment. She revealed at BravoCon that she is officially cancer-free. She looked beautiful all weekend, rocking the bald head. I know that these things are, you know, complicated and a, a long, tough journey, but sort of seeing the seeing the start and the end of her kind of roller coaster all in the same week really just was I don't know. It made me emotional and I I'm I'm so glad that she's doing well. And I you know, in that scene with Julia and Adriana and Nicole, I loved seeing that she she was so worried about kind of revealing this to the women and then obviously it was emotional and it was hard, but then by the end of the scene they were laughing and you know really just having this positive supportive vibe and I think that's like so it's so beautiful and I hope I hope that anyone who's going through something like that feels that they have that support system and that they can take the good with the bad and you know just kind of make light of it in any way you can I don't know but I'm I'm so glad Gertie is doing well that scene with Larsa at the end is just god why are you crying why are you crying clearly a lot of emotions happening on Gertie's part but it's just funny watching Larsa kind of be like what are you doing I apologize why are you crying Gertie what 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 is happening obviously to be continued we'll get into it next week oh and southern charm southern charm what are we gonna do it's so good all these people are so terrible I just JT and Rod we need a little vibe check on JT and Rod because I think in the past couple seasons of Southern Charm, it has felt like we are sort of spinning our wheels a little bit with the Craig Austin Shep dynamic. Like how much more juice can we really squeeze out of that lemon? And I mean, clearly there was still something left with the Olivia and Austin situation this season, but I, I respect that this season they really, found new blood new guys rodrigo seems very sweet i love a i love a a gay guy in a group full of straight people but rod and jt it feels like they were put on this planet solely to make the women of charleston and by extension me 
the viewer uncomfortable. In different ways, mind you. So Rod, from like the first episode of the season, has been very open with the fact that he thinks Olivia's perfect and he wants to pursue her and he wants to date her and, you know, he wants to, you know, make her his. And, you know, they've had some nice moments, sure. But, you know, I don't know if the chemistry's there. It's hard to judge from a show like this exactly where the momentum is at, but it hasn't felt like there really has been any big push forward into a relationship. And of course, Olivia has had such a tough season dealing with the loss of her brother and everything after that. So this week, when Olivia is at this mountain house that she barely even wanted to be at, but she needed to get away from Taylor's family lake house and then Taylor's coming to Shep's. I mean, oh God, it, what a fucking situation from hell. The fact that Rod thinks that this is the moment to sit down with Olivia and ask to be exclusive. So that's where, like I said, it's hard to tell the exact timeline, exactly how much they've been hanging out, how close they've been getting. I don't know if they've been, you know, sleeping with each other, whatever. But at least from watching the show, it feels like these people have hung out like four times total. You know, even stripping away all the extra circumstances, the fact that this this lake house trip is so fucked up, the fact that she's still dealing with the loss of her brother, the fact that, you know, there's the whole Taylor and Austin and Shep and, you know, mindfuck situation happening in the group. It just doesn't seem like they've been together enough that she would even be thinking about being exclusive with him. But then she also is dealing with all that other stuff that I just mentioned. And she she tells him, to her credit, she's very open. She says, I am seeing other people. I, I want to keep that open. I'm not in a position, you know, I had all this stuff with Austin that really messed me up last year. I'm not in a position to commit to anyone. She doesn't even play the, the grief card, which I think would be understandable. It's just not going to happen. And it really frustrated me because... Rod seems like a nice guy. He seems like a gentleman. He has not done anything on the show that is like objectively icky. But I felt like it was kind of icky to even have that conversation with her in this setting at all. Like you're like, oh, I want to take you away from all the pain, blah, 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 blah. You're putting her in a situation by asking that question that is going to make her feel bad. And so I don't know, that was points against Rod for me. Even at BravoCon, he still is like acting like he wants his shot with Olivia. And it's like, babe, you've known her for like almost a year. If it's not happening, it's not happening. And it seems like it's not happening. Meanwhile, we've got JT, the fucking messiest person on Bravo, bumbling around in his fly fishing waders for hours. I I don't even want to think about the, you know, hygiene situation that's happening under there. He's like, Taylor and this, Taylor and that. She's the perfect girl. I want to marry her. I would marry her tomorrow. I love you. Oh, I love you, Taylor Ann. The Taylor Ann thing just fucking kills me. Because I know that that's like technically her name, I guess. Like on Instagram, she's like Taylor Ann Green. And I know that it's a Southern thing, but like <laughs> it just feels so like patronizing. Like he's like, Oh, I want to I sweep Taylor Ann off her feet. I want to take her away from this place. 
<sighs> God, that's not going anywhere either. Like these two bumbling dudes are coming in here with like their eyes on catching a dame. And it's like, my guys, it's not going to happen. Rough season for Taylor. Tough times, man. <laughs> she can't catch a break from Olivia. She can't catch a break from Shep. Based on the behavior at BravoCon, it doesn't seem like Austin likes her either. It's like, I think she really, she kind of played herself. And it doesn't help that she's dealing with some some pretty questionable people on this show. But like, it's going to be tough for her. She did not seem like she had a lot of friends. Vanita and Olivia aren't on her side. Maybe Leva is good with Taylor. It's tough to tell. Madison, I don't think, has much love for Taylor. It's it's just, she's found herself painted into a pretty narrow corner. And, you know, maybe that means you get to pass out in bed with Shep at the end of the night. But, like, is that really something that you're excited about? But not to be too tough on Taylor, because, I mean, Shep's comment this episode where, you know, Taylor's making some comment about how he doesn't like losing over a fucking ping pong game. And Shep's like, oh, you want to poke the bear? You want to poke the bear? And she's like, do you like cheating on me? And he's like, yeah, sometimes it was fun. What? What, Taylor? I was glad she threw the wine at him. Team Taylor, in that moment. In that in that very specific moment. <sighs> Southern Charm, I mean, I, I feel scatterbrained in my thoughts, but I think that's just because there's been so much going on this season. And I don't remember how much I talked about last season of Southern Charm, but it was just, it felt like we were spinning our wheels a little bit. We were we were struggling to get the momentum going. And this season, it is, it's definitely going. It's going a lot, and I'm glad I'm caught up. And, you know, I definitely will, will keep talking about this season because it is... Um, God, it's a shit show, but a beautiful one at that. And you know what? This week has been a beautiful shit show in a way. There's so much happening on Bravo right now. There's so many shows. But it's been a pleasure recapping all of them. And I can't wait to do it again. Tune in Monday for my interview with Ashley Darby. And until then, make sure you rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge morales Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Betches.